Looks like we got a guest on the camera tonight back there, Brother Thomas's fiance. Glad that she's here today. Thankful that they're uh, moving forward with the will of the Lord. Second Thessalonians chapter number two, stand for the reading of the word. We're going to read Second Thessalonians two first, and then we'll go to Luke chapter nine and uh, read uh, verse number sixty-two there. No turning back, praise the Lord. If you came expecting Pastor Jones, I'm sorry again to disappoint you, all right? And uh, the good news is I gave myself plenty of time to preach again. I'm getting good at that. The bad news is I don't think there is bad news, all right? We'll see. We'll see how it goes. Second Thessalonians chapter number 2, verse number 1. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him, that ye be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. Let, me, let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first." That man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. I want you to notice that there he said, there come a falling away first. Luke chapter number 9, verse number 62. Jesus said unto him, No man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. We're told by Paul in Second Thessalonians chapter 2 that before Christ makes his second coming before his return comes, there will be a great falling away. And then in Luke chapter 9, verse 62, Jesus said, no man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Amen. I want to preach to us on no turning back. Amen. Look at somebody next to you or around you and tell them, I won't turn back. All right, you may be seated tonight. Will you pray with me? Lord, I love you. Thank you for your word. I pray that you will just anoint us tonight. Let your words be many and my words be few. Have your way in this house. God, speak to every heart. Lord, help us, God, to leave here with a determination and a commitment. We will not go the way of the backslider, but we will be faithful to you till the end. We love you, Jesus. We praise your name. Amen. How many of you know it takes determination if you're going to win this race with the Lord? It takes determination if you're going to make it all the way to glory. In his book, Win the Day, uh, Mark Batterson, he gives quite a few good examples of commitment and determination. Uh, I'm going to mention a few of those here at the beginning of this sermon to you uh, just to illustrate uh, the value of determination and commitment. Now, in the 1984 Olympics, there was a swimmer by the name of Rowdy Gaines who won three gold medals. Now, Rowdy uh, had been training for the 1980 Olympic Games, but if you are old enough to remember that far back, the United States boycotted the Olympics that year because it was being held, I believe, in Moscow. And so, uh, they he didn't get to uh, race in the in the uh, swim uh, excuse me the swimming events in 1980 but he continued to train for four more years for 1984 and he was able to walk away with three gold medals now after he uh, had won those gold medals they uh, calculated how many miles he had practiced uh, in order to race that one Olympic event or those Olympic events in which he 
he raced. All right? He swam an astounding 20,000 miles during training. He did that in order to race for 49 seconds. 20,000 miles. I don't think I can make it a mile, Brandon. I know I couldn't make it a mile. I, couldn't even make, I probably couldn't make it a quarter of a mile swimming. He swam 20,000 miles to race for less than a minute. But I imagine that when he stood on the podium and they put that medal around his neck, the flag began to wave behind him and they played the national anthem that he thought this was all worth it. Hallelujah. The commitment and the drive and the determination was all worth it. Another illustration uh, that Mark Batterson gave, he said two-thirds of smokers who want to quit smoking never make the attempt. They may say or verbalize, man, I want to quit smoking. I need to quit smoking. But 66 or 67% never even try to quit smoking. And then out of those who try, 90%, 9 out of 10, never make it. They fail. They never stop smoking. But the 10% who do succeed in breaking that habit, guess what? In their attempts, they fail six times before they finally kick it. Praise the Lord. But even they would say the time after time of back and forth, going in and out of of being a smoker, they would say my commitment and determination to quitting was worth it. You guys get the picture. Determination is worth it. When, when comparing grades on standardized math tests, Japanese children routinely score higher than American children. And some researchers wanted to figure out why this was happening, so they, they put some Japanese kids and American kids to a test to see which ones would be smarter. But the test they gave them, it wasn't a test of mathematics skills. It was actually a difficult puzzle that they were given to solve. Now, uh, they, they, they weren't even concerned with whether or not they could solve the puzzle. They just wanted to see how long they would try. All right? American children tried to solve that difficult puzzle. They were in the first or second grade. They would try to solve that puzzle for nine and a half minutes on average. They would spend about nine and a half minutes trying to figure the solution out. But the Japanese children, they tried for almost 14 minutes on average. And the deduction of that experiment is that Japanese children grade higher in math because they are more persistent in difficult situations. In other words, they're more determined to find the answer. Determination is necessary if you're going to make it for the Lord. Let's try it again. Determination is necessary if you're going to make it for the Lord. Young people, determination is necessary if you're going to make it all the way to heaven. And we know this to be true. Those who win keep moving forward in spite of difficult situations. Winners don't quit. They don't. Finishers don't quit. They never stop. They don't give up. They don't turn back. We sing that song sometimes around here. I am determined to hold out to the end. Hallelujah. And that's got to be the motto on the lips of every believer in the day and age that we live, we're determined we're going to make it. Come what may, we're determined we're going to make it. Now, this message is for all ages. It's not just for the young. It's for everybody. You know how I know this? It's because Satan, he wants to deter 
the youngest as well as the oldest, from making it to see Jesus. If you read through the Bible, especially I was, I've been reading in the Old Testament, there's a couple men that, that came to my mind today as I was reading uh, and preparing for this message. And they were both kings. They were both from the same family. Actually, one was the father. The other was the son. Solomon, greatest, uh, possibly one of the greatest kings that ever lived. The wisest man in the Bible outside of Jesus. Uh, he had a lot of riches. He had a lot of things going for him. But towards the end of his life, you know what he did? He turned his back on the Lord. He started worshiping false idols. At an old age, he allowed, I mean, he, this, for some reason, he thought it would be a good idea to have 700 wives. I don't know, Brother Cooper, I don't know what he was thinking. 700 wives. How could he keep up with all those birthdays and anniversaries? But those wives, they were not of the Israelite background and, and race, and they turned his heart to worship false gods. Then his son, Rehoboam, comes into the throne after Solomon dies, and Rehoboam, at a young age, turns his back on the Lord. So it doesn't matter what age you are, Satan wants to get you to turn back. How many of you are determined you're not going to turn back? No turning back. Satan, yes, he finds success time after time. We all know this church could be full of people who have turned their back on the Lord. Some have gone here, some we know personally. And sometimes we look at the success of the enemy and wonder who is next or will we be the ones who are next. But I want you to know tonight, if you keep your hands to the plow, come on now. If you keep your hands to the plow, like Jesus said, he wasn't talking about a physical plow. He's talking about stay working for the Lord. Stay on the right track. Stay on the straight and narrow. Follow his plan. Follow his calling. Hallelujah. If you'll do that, you won't falter in the way. You won't uh, meet with defeat. You'll make it. So you've got to be determined. Keep your hands to the plow and not look back. But I want to ask a few questions, and we're going to try to answer those questions tonight. Why do people walk away from the Lord? I'll let you sit on that for a minute. Why do so many people walk away from the Lord? Why have you in the past walked away from the Lord? Why, why do so many people quit church? Why, why do they settle for less when they know that God is best? Why do they do that? I'll tell you a few reasons I think that men turn back and women turn back for the Lord, and then we'll try to give you some encouragement here at the end, all right? Number one, you can make your own handouts right here, okay? So I'm going to tell you, number one, the, one of the reasons that people quit church is they start listening to false doctrine. They start listening to false doctrine. Now, one time, a, a vacuum cleaner salesman came over to my house when I was a teenager. Anybody in here ever been approached by a vacuum salesman? Only a few. Anybody ever bought a Kirby vacuum in the past? I think the one that I'm talking about was called Majestic. I don't know if that was the name or not. But this vacuum cost over $1,000. That's crazy, isn't it? 
But the guy who, and, and, and what's silly about this vacuum is it's, it's one that's on wheels and it sits about this low to the ground. It's got a hose on it and you have to pull it everywhere you go. The design's horrible. But the salesmen know exactly what to say to get you hooked. I mean, this guy, he, he brought these huge bags, these huge plastic bags, and he's sitting there in the, our living room. He's showing my parents all these cool gizmos that this vacuum has got on it, and he says, watch this, watch this. I'm going to put your couch cushion in this bag, and I'm going to suck all the air out of this bag, and it's going to suck all the dust and dirt out of your couch cushion. How do we know that he was telling the truth? We didn't know if there, we couldn't see the dust, but man, he, he got that big couch cushion, sucked all the air out of that bag and shrunk it down. Like, I mean, it was crazy. That was cool. But the selling point, my dad, my dad said, cause I'll tell on him, he ended up buying the vacuum. He said, the selling point was this, that, that guy, my uncle happened to be over there. My uncle was a fairly large man. And uh, he, he said, okay, I want you to sit down on this plastic bag. And so he deflated the bag. My uncle sat on it on the floor, and he starts blowing up this bag, reverses the vacuum, and blows it up. And that vacuum had enough air in it, uh, enough power, excuse me, to lift my uncle off the floor. I have no idea why you would want to blow anything out of that vacuum anyway. But it was, it was awesome to my parents. My dad was like, man, that thing's got some power. So he purchased the vacuum. The salesman knew how to hook him into the deal. And I want you to know tonight, I'm trying not to be boring, so if I am, just kind of open your ears a little bit wider, and I'll, 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 try to, I'll try to get a little more animated here in a minute. But the devil knows how to hook us into deals that aren't good for us when it comes to doctrine. All right, he, he can add just enough truth to make it look like truth. And, and, and even though it's filled with lies, you know, there's one part that sounds good and sounds like it might be in the Bible, and he can hook us and get us to walk away from the truth. And a lot of people quit church because they fall prey or fall into the trap of false doctrine. Even some people who mean well can be used by the enemy to spread false doctrine. So, that's important for you, and I'll probably repeat myself. It's important for you to know what you believe and why you believe it. It's important for you to be aware of the truth that's in this word. Now, uh, let me read to you a couple of scripture here about false doctrine. Second John 1, 9 and 10 says, Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. If there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine, receive him not into your house, neither bid him Godspeed. That's pretty strong language from the Lord there. If anybody's preaching false doctrine, he said, hey, bid them farewell. Don't even tell them God be with you. Let them go and don't talk to them again. Pretty strong, isn't it? 2 Timothy 4, verse number 2, uh, Paul is telling Timothy, preach the word, be instant in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, re excuse me, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine, for the time will come when they, when they will not endure sound doctrine. That word endure means to put up with. You know, people in this era that we live in, they don't want to hear the truth. Some people, excuse me, do not want to hear the truth. That, that, that word put up with, it reminds me of, of when, when your kids are being bad. And you say, I don't know why I put up with this. Well, because you love your kids, you put up with them. Because Wives, you love your husband, so you put up with him. 
because we love the word, even when there's things that we don't like that get preached about, things that prick our hearts, things that cause us to stop and think maybe we're not doing things right in the sight of God, we endure that because we love Jesus and we love his word. Ephesians 4.14 That we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slate of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive us. Romans 16.17 I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned. And then he said this, Paul said, avoid them. So false doctrine, it leads people away. Listen. You're not allowed to add to or take away from the Word of God. Okay? You, you cannot, especially the preachers among us, you cannot add to the Word. You know, I, I heard about a preacher say one time, he said, he said, we live in a time when you have to live more than the Bible. Oh, okay, that's adding to the Word right there. What God told us to do is enough. You know what the Pharisees did? They created a thousand and one extra laws for the people of God to follow, making it too hard to live for God according to the law, even though we know it was impossible. We needed grace. The Pharisees even made it that much harder. Why? Because they added to the Word. You can't do that. You can't take away from the Word. That's dangerous. So preachers, if you're going to preach the word, fathers and mothers in here, if you're going to teach your kids, teach them the entire word. Don't be afraid of what God said. If they have questions, good. That's going to cause you to study. It's going to cause them to know the truth because you study. Don't take away. Don't add to. But you got to know it for yourself. Hallelujah. So you won't fall away because of false doctrine. Another thing about doctrine, and then we're going to move on, is don't let the things you don't understand keep you from living what you know is true. There are some things in the Word of God, some things that we go through that we don't understand, but we know what God says is true, so we've got to live that even when we don't understand it. The second thing, uh, a second reason why people walk away from the truth is they start looking in the wrong direction. So they listen to the wrong doctrine and they start looking in the wrong direction. Jesus is talking in Luke chapter 17 about his second coming. He's encouraging the disciples on what to do, what not to do, and what's, ha- and what's coming ahead and all that stuff. And, and right in the middle of his teaching there, he says, remember Lot's wife. Remember Lot's wife. He also said when he was given that that same sermon in Matthew, he said that in the end, the love of many will wax cold. They start looking for other things to satisfy and to fulfill. Remember Lot's wife. Why did he say that? Because he knew in, in the coming age, there would be a great falling away. Now, you remember what happened to Lot's wife, don't you? You guys remember? She, she was leaving Sodom and Gomorrah, and she turned around when the destruction began to happen to get one last glimpse. I'm not sure exactly why she did it, but she turned around to look at the city, even though she was warned not to, and she became a pillar of salt and met her demise because she started looking in the wrong direction. But I want you to know that, that her situation 
didn't just start right there in that moment. It started when Lot, years before, was setting up his tent and faced those in the direction of Sodom and Gomorrah. Do you understand that? He, he started looking towards those cities of wickedness before he went into those cities of wickedness. Had he maybe put his tents in a different place? Had he put them in a view of the countryside instead of those cities? Maybe he wouldn't have been tempted to go the direction of the world. But people walk away from God because they get their sight on the wrong thing. Can I hear an amen? Jesus told us, or the, the writer of Hebrews says, we ought to look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Listen, tonight, if you've noticed your eyes wandering to the right or to the left, instead of looking at Jesus in this time, in this hour, in this service, you've got to get your eyes on the right thing. You got to keep your eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. When I have, uh, when I've worked out, and when I've run a race, and I've only ran one five k in my life, but I've had to keep my eye on the prize. I've had to keep my focus and my attention, not just on how much time was left and how many miles I had run, but on the finish line, what my goal was. I had to keep my attention on that. And if you will do that tonight, you'll find yourself on the side of victory in no time. Because Jesus is coming back, but we've got to be looking His direction if we want to be ready. You can't look at man instead of Jesus. You can't look at things to satisfy you. Instead of Jesus, you put yourself in danger. We can't look at the temporary because that's going to e get us easily discouraged. Now, any one of us can probably, in a matter of minutes, write down a list of 20 things that aren't going our way right now. And a lot of those things will have to do with the government or with money. And they're probably both connected. Gas prices are too high. Taxes are going crazy. Uh, this and that's going bad. Prices at the grocery store are up. You can make a list of all the things. But listen, those things are temporary. Hallelujah. And, and we're told in Scripture, we don't look at the things that are seen, but at the things that are unseen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are unseen are eternal. you got to change your focus. Quit looking in the wrong direction. Stop looking at yesterday. Stop looking at tomorrow. Look at today, what you can do today for the Lord, what God's doing for you right now. Praise the Lord. Stop letting your eyes be put in so many unhealthy directions and look at Jesus. Isaiah said there, I believe Isaiah chapter 6, I saw also the Lord. In other words, there were bad things going on around me, but I got my eyes fixed on the Master. John said, and when he was on the Isle of Patmos, there in Revelation chapter number 1, it was on the Lord's Day. He was praying in the Spirit. He heard the voice. He said, I turned to see the voice. In other words, I quit looking and paying attention to where I was and the trouble I was in, and I focused on Jesus. Don't look at the wrong direction. Third thing tonight. So they, they were listening to false doctrine. They were looking in the wrong direction. And the third thing, this is important, they wouldn't make necessary decisions. They wouldn't make hard decisions. Now, uh, this, this is kind of a, a loose illustration here in the Bible. Um, Judas, Judas is a hard man to preach about because there's a lot of questions. Did he have to uh, betray Jesus? Was it God's plan for him all along? 
um, and all that stuff. I'm not going to answer those questions tonight, but, but I do wonder. I, I've read about his life multiple times in Scripture, and I've noticed one thing about Judas. He was always concerned about money. He always held the bag, the treasurer of the group. He was always concerned about money and the optics of how they should spend the money. Jesus, when, that, uh, when, when the woman came and, and broke the, uh, the alabaster box and anointed his feet and cried there and washed his feet with her tears and dried it with her hair and all that stuff, Judas was one of the ones that ridiculed him and said, you could have sold that and given more money to the poor. See, Jesus, Jesus I mean, excuse me, Judas was not concerned about the poor. He was more concerned about the money. And I wonder if Judas held on to the bag too long. Maybe there was something in his heart that told him, I need to let go of this. This is, I'm more concerned about money than Jesus. I'm more concerned about this purse in my hand than what Jesus is saying. Maybe he held on to it too long. You know, the word decide comes from a Latin word meaning to cut. It's pretty powerful, isn't it? When you make decisions, whether one way or the other, you are cutting ties with something. When I decide to get up in the morning and come to work, I'm cutting ties with a word called laziness. When I decide uh, what to go to McDonald's over Burger King, I'm cutting ties with Burger King. That's a bad decision, isn't it? Maybe I should say Chipotle versus Chick-fil-A. You can't go wrong with either one of those, right? But decide, you've got to cut ties with some things if you're going to win and finish this race with the Lord. If you, if you are really committed to not turning back, you've got to be willing to cut the rope on some things in your life. I need to have about 50 ropes attached to all kinds of different things up here to illustrate it. But, but I, I've seen recently a couple videos of, of these men catching alligators. You guys ever seen somebody catch an alligator? Alligators, if their mouth is open, it's pretty hard to shut it. But once their mouth is closed, you can just wrap some tape around it real fast and tie that mouth shut because it doesn't have a lot of power in opening uh, or the muscles that open its jaws. But, but, but they, the other day I saw one where they just had ropes everywhere trying to keep this alligator from from moving, and that alligator got tangled up and could not get out of that situation. Listen, if you allow yourself to remain tied to the things of this world, things that keep pulling you back away from the Lord, you're going to find yourself tangled up to a point where you can't get out. But what you need to do tonight is you need to use the sword of the Lord and cut some ties. Uh, this hurts. This, this causes me pain. I can't, I can't break off that relationship. I can't, I, I can't keep myself from going to that place. Man, they offer me a lot of money. I need to go that direction. No, it's not God's will. I, I got to use the truth and make some hard decisions to follow the will of the Lord. Uh, lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily beset us. Cut ties with the things of this world. Elijah, the prophet, he looked at the people of God and the prophets of Baal, and he told, he asked them, "How long halt ye between two opinions? You, you've not made a decision. You're trying to follow God, but you're trying to follow the worshipers of Baal. What are you going to do? You've got to make the call right now. And somebody in here tonight, you need to make a tough decision." To cut ties with the things that you know are wrong. Can I hear an amen? 
You know, I, Paul, when he became a Christian, he took several months before he started preaching. Now, uh, some, some people need to take note that just because you got saved, you might need to take some time before God uses you in a mighty way in the ministry. It takes some time. you got to learn some things. But Paul, he took some time and just sat under uh, some different teachers to learn some things. And you know what I believe Paul was doing? I believe Paul was cutting away the mindset of the Pharisees that existed. I mean, in his upbringing, everything he knew, all, all that he was taught was pharisaical. Now he was re learning a new gospel, learning about grace, and there were some things he was going to have to cut ties with in order to be used by God and not be drawn back into that, into that way of life. Young people, I want you to listen to me today. You've got to cut some ties to this world if you're going to stay faithful to the Lord. I, 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 there, are, there are friendships that, 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 yes, they're vital. You've got to have friends and all of that, but it's not worth going to hell over somebody being a part of your life. You've got to cut ties with people who are pulling you away from God. Entertainment choices. You, you got to cut ties with things that take your mind to dark and dirty places. You got to cut some ties. Make some decisions. I mean, your career, your choice, the path that you take, you've got to be willing. God, is this going to be something that's going to cause me down the road to fall? I'm going to follow your will and your plan. Cut ties with everything else. That's not God's plan. It hurts. It does. It hurts to even preach it. But the pain won't last forever. And I know I, know I said this uh, Sunday, and I, and I sound like a broken record, but there, there is a lot of pressure being put on our young people, on people in general in, in our world today. And there, it comes from all kinds of different uh, avenues, and some people mean well, others don't. Um, but, but you've got pressure from your job, pressure from coworkers, pressure from the culture, pressure from family, pressure from friends. I know, I know you, there, there are people who do not understand your commitment to the Lord, and they pressure you to do things that you shouldn't do, that you don't want to do, and all that stuff. Well, let me tell you how you can win. You need to get full of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Hallelujah. And I don't, I don't mean just, just where you come down and you cry and, 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 man, that felt good. I mean full of the Holy Ghost. Amen. You know, the evidence of speaking in other tongues is the initial physical evidence of being full of the Holy Ghost. So if you haven't spoken in tongues yet, you've not been full of the Holy Ghost. Whoo. And if you haven't spoken in tongues in a while, you may not be full of the Holy Ghost. You gotta get full. I remember I was sitting there at Brother Toby and Sister Tanya's house. We were visiting with Sister, uh, with uh, excuse me, Sister Fordyce there at, uh, towards the latter days of her life. And the last thing I remember her telling me to do, she said, she said, Brother Cruz, you've got to tell the young people to get full of the Holy Ghost. The only way that they're going to make it in this life. She knew at, at the, in the late 80s, early 90s, I don't remember how old she was when she passed away. The most important thing they can do is get full of the Holy Ghost. Why did she say that? She knew that that's the only thing that can help you overcome this world and the things that tie you to this world. So to make some tough decisions, get full of the Holy Ghost. Praise the Lord. Final thing, why people go back. They listen to false doctrine. They, they uh, what was my second one? Anybody writing them down because I can't look at my notes. They look in the wrong direction. 
They won't make the tough decisions. And they feed the wrong desires. And that kind of goes in with all of those other points. But let me just share with you a few things here. Demas said, Paul said, Demas hath forsaken me having loved this present world. What was he saying? There's, there's uh, differing opinions on what that meant. One is that Demas just had a desire to live. He loved living. How many of you loved being alive? I'm glad I'm alive. I'm, I'm glad I woke up this morning. I don't want to die tomorrow or today. Or... But Demas loved life more than Jesus. And he, he was okay with living longer in the face of persecution. So he was, he was willing to forego his commitment to God and his, uh, his um, friendship with Paul because he knew that Paul was associated with persecution. He loved this life. So he turned his back on God. Others say that he had a desire to have the things of this world more than eternal things. And either one of those is wrong. You can't allow yourself to feed wrong desires and expect to last running for the Lord. I remember I was working on a trim project with a co-worker in Missouri. We were staining and lacquering some trim at the shop, and we, we started to talk about the Lord. Now, I knew this man uh, had his, his parents were ministers. They uh, were, were sort of home missionaries, uh, Bible project people, all that stuff. And I, I knew that they went to a good church. And so we were talking just kind of about his life that he was living at that moment. And he, and he was living the life of, of going to parties and doing drugs and all that stuff. And, and our conversation turned to a point where I, I was able to ask him, why do you do that? When you know the truth, why are, you, why are you feeding wrong desires? And he said, well, it feels good. All right, it feels good. But have you ever felt the Holy Ghost? Yeah. And he, this is what he said. This is something that really was powerful. He said, nothing feels better than when I felt the Spirit of God in church. He said, the times I've ran around the church feeling the Holy Ghost all over me, the times I've been in a service where God was moving, that felt better than anything in this life. Why don't you come back? I can't. I can't. He was feeding the wrong desire. It was that day I realized that, that and my eyes were open. I've never done drugs and anything like that, but... But he said all of those feelings that he gets when he goes to pill parties and smokes weed and all that stuff, he said those are substitutes for what I felt in the presence of God. And they're temporary. They don't last. One, one uh, police officer said once you get high the first time, you're always seeking that same feeling and you never find it again because nothing satisfies you like that first time. Well, I'll tell you, there's one thing that'll satisfy every desire when it gets aligned with the will of God and it's Jesus. Hallelujah. So stop feeding the wrong desires. Listen, Satan is going to tempt the flesh until the end of time. I've heard of people in their 80s being tempted to take their own lives. I've heard of people in their 80s being discouraged, thinking that all their life meant absolutely nothing and feeling like it doesn't matter anymore. Why, why do they have discouragement and, and ideas of taking their own lives in such an old age? Because Satan wants them to do what feels good in the moment. And he tries to appeal to the flesh, even in an old age, not just a young age. He wants to get all of us to fall away from the Lord. 
We can't feed feelings of bitterness and, and sensuality, and, and we can't take the road that eases our pain. We can't even settle to be comfortable. We've got to be willing to suffer things for the cause of Christ and not feed the flesh. It's worth it to feel lonely for a season if you make it to eternity with Jesus. It's worth it to be made fun of for a time because of some of your standard, because, you're, uh, because you believe in the truth and the Word of God. It's worth it for a season because eternity awaits it's worth it to, to not go here and not go there and not say this and not listen to that. It, it's worth it to do this in the, in the presence of the Lord and to work in the ministry and, and suffer somewhat of a loss in our culture for a season because eternity is waiting on the other side. The, Jesus even said, you know, listen, let's go back to that word comfort for a minute. Uh, there, there was one pastor, he said, as a pastor, I'm called to uh, comfort the afflicted and to afflict the comfortable. Jesus said this in Matthew 5.11. He said, this is, this is something that's totally uh, in America we don't like to hear. But he said, blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Then he said this, when that happens, rejoice and be exceeding glad. For great is your reward in heaven. Why? They persecuted the prophets which were before you. In other words, this isn't new to the faith. You're going to be persecuted. People are going to disagree with you and some are going to make fun of you and spread lies about you. But when they do that, rejoice because I'm with you. Amen. People are, even your own family may ridicule you for standing for the truth, but you've got to do it anyway. Praise the Lord. I mean, Jesus, and, and we talked about it on Sunday morning. Let me look at the time. i got to hurry. Jesus even said in the wilderness, when he was tempted to turn the stones to bread, my meat, he said, he said, uh, man shall not live by bread alone. Then later he told the disciples, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me. If I, if I do the things that the devil wants me to do, I'm foregoing the satisfaction of serving Jesus that's on the way. And I promise you, if you'll commit your life to Jesus, you will not ever regret it. So I've, I've showed you a lot of bad news tonight, but I got some good news, praise the Lord, is that you don't have to walk away from God. There's going to be a lot of people fall away. There's going to be a lot of people that, that, that decommit from the commitments they made when the Spirit was, was touching their hearts and an emotional response was, I'll give you everything, Lord, and they're going to fall away from that. But you don't have to. We have the answer. Listen, failure is not final. So if you make mistakes in your walk with the Lord, listen, you can make a comeback. Proverbs 24, 16 says, For a just man falleth seven times and riseth up again. Praise the Lord. So what's that tell me? If you've walked away from God, you can come back to God. Now, another thing is if you feel shame for things in your past, don't give in to that. Don't feed that shame. It's erased by the blood of Calvary. If the Son has made you free, you shall be free indeed. Praise the Lord. Put a stamp on it. That's the truth. You're free. There's victory over this world. In this world, you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Hallelujah. 
There's victory over this world. How do I find victory? Listen, Paul in Romans chapter 7, he starts talking about all these things he's doing. He's like, I'm struggling. I do the things I don't want to do. I can't do the things I committed to do. What am I doing? He says, oh, wretched man that I am, who's going to deliver me from this? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. 1 Corinthians 15, 57. Thanks be to God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to stand with me tonight. We're about to come and pray. But you don't have to turn back. You can be determined and make it and serve God the rest of your days. From the youngest all the way to the oldest. Heaven has been prepared for us. Jesus is there making intercession so we can make it. You don't have to fall away. Brother Tim told us on Sunday morning, he gives us grace for the day. And John, excuse me, Paul said in 2 Corinthians 12, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. When you walk in the Spirit, your future is secure. Matthew 10 tells us, They which do endure to the end shall be saved. And I love what Paul said. Sister Gabby, go ahead and come to the piano. Paul said in Acts chapter 20, verse number 24, But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy in the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. I'm in chains. I'm in bondage. People have walked away from me. I'm being persecuted for my faith. The judges, the rulers, the kings, they all beat me and tell me to keep quiet. I've been left for dead. I've suffered shipwreck. All those things Paul could say. But he said, none of those things have moved me away from my faith. Why? Because I am determined. I'm not turning back. I'm not turning back. Brother Sparks, they used to sing this old song. I wouldn't take nothing for my journey now. I remember an older lady, Sister Causey, would get up. I've told you this before. She'd get up on a Wednesday night, a Sunday night, whatever service it was when she was feeling the Lord. She'd stand up and testify and sing or say the lyrics to that song, even in 94, 95 years old, because she was determined. I'm not quitting. You got to be determined. John, you got to be determined. Timmy, you got to be determined got to be determined a few months ago I uh, felt I felt compelled to to text a few young men that uh, have walked away from the Lord and and this is what I told them in that text I said I feel like God wants you to know it's time to come home it's time to come home. And you know, two of them never responded. But one did. Thank you for reaching out to me. I appreciate that. They didn't come back. Why? Because they're so tied to the things of this life. So tied to things that don't matter. It's hard to even look at, look at them because they, they seem like they're so full of hatred and disgust. They're tied. You got to be determined. We got to be determined. 
And tonight, I, I, I want to just say this before we come and pray. If you have walked away from God, He's calling you back. You can, you can come back to Him at any moment. He wants you to stay with Him throughout eternity. He made a way on the cross. And, and, and some of you, some of you others, you've been struggling with your commitment to Jesus. Tonight, make a determination. I'm committed to living right. You may have to draw some lines, set some boundaries, tell some people, give them a phone call when you get home, shoot them a text. Hey, man, I can't talk anymore for a while. I, I, I have got to get myself right with God. I have to, I, I can't be your boyfriend. I can't be your girlfriend. I, 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 can't, I can't work here. I can't go here. I can't do this. It's worth it. Brother Frank, it's worth it. It's worth it. Hallelujah. Let's all come find us a place to pray. Spend some time in the presence of the Lord tonight. Thank you, Jesus. I'm not going back. I'm not going back. I'm not turning back. There's nothing, this world has nothing for me. Where can I go? Jesus is the answer. He, he gives me the words of life. There's nothing in this life that can compare to what Jesus has blessed me with. So why would I turn away from him? Spend some time. Commit, commit, commit. I'll follow Jesus all the days of my life.